Welcome to church, everybody. Amen. Good to see everybody out. If you could all stand, we're going to open in prayer. Amen. God of heaven, we love you today. Lord, we thank you. God, for another opportunity, God, to be able to come into your house, come into your presence today. God, we love you. We thank you, God, because you're faithful. Lord, because your mercy is everlasting. God, we honor you today. We pray, God, that your presence, God, will begin to move in this house. God, that you would have your way. God, that you would minister, God, through, the, through your servant today. God, that you would speak to our hearts. God, that we would receive, God, what you would have for us today. God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. God, we ask that you would just have your way. God, move in this house. In Jesus' name, amen. Worship with praise Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Call your name is something we cannot explain. That happens when we proclaim your great name, your great name. We love to call your name is something we cannot explain.
house of God here this morning. It's such a beautiful thing to be amongst God's people, in God's place, in God's timing, doing what God wants us to do right here, right now. I guarantee you there's someone that woke up this morning and they looked at their clock and they said, I, you know, not today. I don't know. And, and the list of things that they needed to do today that are very important filled their mind and brought them back to sleep. And now they're laying in their bed or now they're just now starting to drink their coffee for the day. And inevitably and no doubt, the stress and the pressure of the day is starting to fill their situations. And they're probably confused about why life is feeling the way it is right now. And it's probably just maybe because at this point in time, if we are able, we are supposed to be right here, right now, doing this. And if we're not doing what God wants us to do, when we're not doing it. I can just wager to say that it's not a place of peace and prosperity. It's a place of all the other things that come along with not being in the perfect will of God. Amen? Amen. Hey, Children's Church, you're dismissed. Even though I didn't get a sign waving to remind me that it's time to dismiss Children's Church like I do every Sunday for someone. I'm dismissed. Pretty much say whatever I want 
and get away with it for a few hours, but she usually goes back to watch the service, so I do gotta be careful. I wanna thank God for my little boys who are turning into great young men. I'm so proud of them guys, and I'm so thankful for you as the church who've helped me to be great examples for these guys as they grow up. They look to each and every one of you in different ways. As they assume the people who they're going to be, they're taking parts of who you are, who you've been to them, and this becoming part of who they are. And so thank you for being all that you are, whoever you are, whatever you've been doing, thank you so much. My boys are, are, are part of it. And also, lastly, I want to give honor to my pastor, Pastor Tommy Crutchfield. We got, we got the Tommy Crutchfield fan club up in here. And, uh, you know, some people are worshiped because they can sing real good. And we're not worshiping pastor. But some people are praised because, you know, they dress real nice. And some people are. But you know what? The reason I lift this dude up is because he is a sincere guy. I mean, he truly is a guy after God's own heart. I've watched him. I've, I've hung out with him. I've been doing this thing with him now for about 20-something years. And, you know, when you when you do that long enough with somebody, you, you kind of, things shake out. And you see how things really are with folks. And this dude and his wife, Sister Shauna Crutchfield, they care. And, uh, and if they care, I care. Amen. I'm down. I'm down to be part of that team. You know what I'm saying? Okay, okay, I'm sorry. Just gotta, you know, there's just things that have to be said, you know, and you gotta say these things. It's important. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 45. If you want to stand for this first scripture, and then you can sit back down. If you want to stand for the rest of them, it's fine too. <laughs> 1 Samuel 17 and 45, David said to the Philistine, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day will I give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds and to the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know it is not by sword and it is not by spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. So for a few seconds, I hope you don't mind if I spend some time up here talking about how the battle is the Lord's. Brother Fowler, would you mind praying for us? Amen. Once you say amen, you can sit down. Amen. I, I didn't see you say amen. So here we are at the battle of God's army and the Philistines. But let's just press pause here because you know how I like to press pause during my messages and do stuff. So let's press pause. And back in the, back in the day, we used to have tapes. And you put it in there and you press rewind, rewind, and it goes, 
and then go all the way back to where we wanted to. Let's do that. Let's go rewind back to where the children of Israel became a nation of Israel. Interestingly enough, the children of Israel became a nation of Israel while they were in slavery in Egypt. So here we are, we have the nation of Israel, a great powerful nation who's actually in slavery under the Pharaoh in Egypt. And God hears the cries of the children of Israel and delivers the children of Israel out of the land of Pharaoh by basically destroying Egypt. And they get into the wilderness and they travel the wilderness under some very interesting uh, stories and things that happened for 40 years. And eventually they make this trip that should have not been taken 40 years. They, they make it after 40 years to the promised land under the leadership of Moses. We get to the, the promised land and leadership is transitioned to a young man named Joshua. And Joshua continues to lead the children of Israel into the promised land, destroying everything in its path and taking it over as God told them they should and they would and they could and they did. So they get into the promised land and they're doing their thing. A couple generations later, another man of God raises up and they're being led by another man of God and then another man of God until finally they, the children of Israel look around and they say, why don't we have a king like everyone else? Everyone else has these king things. We'd like a king thing. And so they went to the prophet Samuel and said, Samuel, we love you, buddy. You're great. We love your prophetic robes and all that jazz. But we sure do want a king like everybody else. And the prophet Samuel was kind of hurt by this. Like, what am I doing wrong? You know, and God says, don't worry. They're not rejecting you, Samuel. They're rejecting me. And so Samuel's like, all right, I guess I can live with that. He said, go anoint Saul to be king. Saul was head and shoulders above everyone in the nation of Israel. God chose Saul to be king. He became king. And he was a pretty good king for a while. He did the king things that he should do and he fought valiant battles. He was big and strong and fearless. But he made some grave mistakes as a king to the point where God said, you are no longer the king of Israel in my eyes. I am taking the spiritual authority of the kingship away from you. And he tells Samuel, Samuel, Saul is no more king. I want you to go to the house of Jesse. And there you're going to anoint the new king. So he goes to the house of Jesse and has his sons line up before him. And God said, it is none of these that are before me. And Samuel was probably confused. And he said, well, what do you mean? Is there any more kids in the house? And the father, Jesse, said, no. There's one more, but he's out in the field tended to the sheep. And Samuel said, go get him. We're not going to sit down until he gets there. David walks in the door. The Lord said, yep, that's him. He pops the cork off the top of the oil, dumps a quart of oil over the top of his head, and just walks off. Doesn't tell him what he's doing. Just dumps a bunch of oil on him and sends him back out to the field to tend the sheep. So there we have the, the evolution of David coming into the picture. Fast forward some time and... 
There is a war that has started now, which was not atypical of this time with the children of Israel. They were always fighting and slaying and taking over land and doing all kinds. Of, so at this particular time, there was a war with the Philistines. And everyone who was 20 years old and older, it was mandatory for you to get up and go do war things. So his brothers, David's older brothers, all left to go fight in the, the Philistonian war. And so they're there and the war is going on. And, and Jesse, the father of the boys, said to David, David, leave the sheep with the other shepherds. Take this food and go to the battle lines and give this food to your brothers. Yeah. I always think about this whenever we I read this and just wonder what it would be like if like I'm out in a field problem on Fort Stewart and I'm sitting there and like my wife pulls up with like a goodie basket full of like ramen noodles and stuff. Because it just didn't happen like that. Like when you went to the field, you were in the field and it was what it was, you ate what you ate. But this is cool. Dad, I, Dad's like, they're probably not feeding my boys right. Let me send some food. And that's probably about right. So... Where am I? I don't I haven't looked at this one. Ever. Okay. Or Philistines. Okay, David, you got it. Alright, we're good. We're right here. I knew all that stuff, so I was easy. I knew you where I was going with that. It's this other stuff I gotta make sure we're on track with. So David takes the stuff and he goes to the battle lines. He gets there and he sees his brothers and, and he dishes out all the food, and then he hears the call of Goliath. Reading in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 4. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits in a span. It's about nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he wore a coat of scale of armor, bronze wing, five shekels, on his legs he wore bronze greaves, a bronze javelin was slung on his back, his spear shaft was that of a weaver's beam, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and they were terrified. David hears this. He's just dishing out cornbread and, you know, bacon. And he hears this, and I, I just like envisioning how this went. It probably didn't go like this, but just got to bear with a, a brother. Okay. I, I, I imagine he just stopped, and like the hairs on the back of his neck spoke, poked up, and he turned slowly toward this man who's defying the children of Israel and said, hold up! Who is this uncircumcised person? There were a lot of other words that started filling in there. It's like, you get in trouble for that one, you get in trouble for that one, you get in trouble for that one. Got a 
plant your foot in a safe spot. And we read that everybody in the scriptures is not supporting David's decision to go fight Goliath. This man, okay, okay, he said, I'll go fight him. So, so let's, you know, I watch a UFC fight every once in a while. And what they do is they'll put one fighter up and they'll put the other fighter up. They're like, the tail of the tape. This man is six foot four. He weighs 212 pounds. He has a reach of 66 inches. He has a record of 28 and one. And he's going to be fighting this person here. And who's, you know, this height and this. So if this were Goliath, David and Goliath, the commentators would be saying, we don't know how this young man is going to pull this off. There's nothing on the tail of the tape that shows that this young man can defeat. Uh, what were the promoters thinking putting this fight together? It's going to be a bloodbath. I don't even know if this is something we can show on TV, folks. If you have young kids, you might want to put them in the back. This is going to be bad. It is said that Goliath was over nine foot tall. That would make him three to four feet taller, almost a whole human taller than the average man. The odds were not in his favor. Goliath was a man of war and a warrior from his youth. David was just a shepherd in his youth. All the big, stronger, older men and the men in authority were running from this man. And David faced him. This man had large weapons, no doubt, with the blood of his enemies caked into the crevices of it. While David only carried this flimsy piece of leather tied to string and a couple stones that he found in the creek. David didn't even have the support of his people. His brothers chastised his passion, calling it pride, while the whole Philistine army cheered for their champion. The king didn't even think he was enough and try to give him all his stuff. And lastly, it doesn't even say that God backed up this plan. There was no prayer that's mentioned that David had with God about it. There's no long prophetic dreams that came to David in the night to assure him of the victory. The prophet did not walk up to him and say, David assuredly know today that God is gonna put Goliath. None of these things happen. When the hairs on the back of David's neck stood up, he did not need any of those things. He knew it was time to stand to the Goliath in his life and do whatever it had to be done. We live in an existence that offers us a lot of opportunity for joy. We have troubles, but I heard a good quote from some famous dude over the last couple weeks and said, this, this life is full of joy and trouble, and thankfully there's more joy than trouble. And I was like, you know, that's great perspective, because sometimes our troubles are just so much that it just wipes out every, all the joy, the cool stuff that we got going on. But in that, we have to fully soak in the times where it is nights, when, when all of our giants are at bay, and life is giving us a chance to rest and regroup and recover and regenerate and refocus because there are 
giants at the door. Some of these giants of our own making, from our bad decisions, wrong choices and friends, unchecked desires, and sins that have yet caught up with us. Some of these giants are just the common giants of life that have made their way to our doorsteps inevitably to knock with their hands of sickness, loss, fear, self-doubt, lack of ambition, and many, many, many others. And though the list of the giants that can be knocking on our door day in and day out are as numerable as the stars in the sky and the sands in the sea, there is but one thing to do with the giants, and that is to stand and slay it. We cannot be the people of God that he's called us to be if we consistently allow the giant problems to stand on the battlefield of our life and taunt us and taunt our God. We must identify the giants and slay the giants. It's easy to stand up on a pulpit and tell people what we need to do. This is what we should do, folks. Good luck. You know? So the Lord, I feel like the Lord gave me a few things to talk about when it comes to slaying our giants. Because it's kind of a duh moment, right? Duh, brother Dave, we need to slay the giants. So let's get some meat on that. You know, what, what does that mean? What does it look like? How do we slay our giants? First, we need to have the will to stand up and fight. We need to dig down to the deepest parts of all that we are and find what little bit is left of us, grab onto it, shake it, say, stand up and fight, boy! I remember one time when Pastor Kirchwood was, Pastor Kirchwood was early, early on pastoring, and we were in the old sanctuary, there probably like seven of us in there, and I was tired. I just remember being tired. And it wasn't like backslidden or any like major thing, but I was just, it was a Sunday night service probably, you know, and I'd probably been in the field all week, and Monday morning was, I was just smoked, y'all. And I was sitting there on the, on the pew, and services, I was doing my clapping like I needed to do and, you know, trying to learn all the songs and all that. And the pastor started preaching and he started like really digging. And like, like this was like one of those like interactive services where Pastor Christmas was like, we need to, I mean, he, you know, like if, if you were just sitting there during this service and when there's only seven of you, you really can't get away with it. You know? You like, you like, everybody would be like dancing and just looking out the corner of your eye. You know, like, What's wrong with him? We need to pray that brother through, you know. So you're feeling the pressure, you know. Feeling the pressure. I think everybody needs to come in under a small church. And then, then they can. And I remember Pastor just saying, and like he's strained when he said, you know, kind of like when I say a lot of the things I do, for some reason I strain, the spit comes out my mouth. He said, if there's anyone with any left fight left in you. And he said it like that. And it was just like, 
I, it like went right through my head, right into my spirit. It was just like, I got some fight in me. I don't know how much. about how many cool and awesome things that God can do in any given circumstance. 
above all that we ask or think. But we must also be comfortable to declare that even if he does not do any of these, I will still serve the Lord. Our faith can't be determined by the outcome, okay? by standing up and engaging in the fight. Because our vision of victory may not line up for what God's vision of victory is for that. And we gotta be able to trust in that and know that he knows the bigger picture beyond our circumstance. And that's hard sometimes. It's hard sometimes because it's hard to hurt and it's hard to see people hurting. It's hard to go through things when you know that this could be different and there could be a change and you know you're believing and you're trying and you're fighting and it's still not going the way you think it needs to go. That's hard, but it's worth it if we continue to stand and stay in the fight. We gotta, you know, this may not fit. It may, it may not. I'll try to make it fit. But I want to talk about something else when it comes to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You see, the world was threatening them. And by them choosing not to bow down, what they were actually choosing was to be bound by the world and thrown into the fire. They were making that choice in hopes and in prayer and in confidence that God would do something cool with it. But they were choosing, in all reality, to be thrown in the fiery furnace, never to be heard from again. They were submitting to all the bad things that this world had promised were going to happen if they stood up for the things of God. Verse 24 says, Then Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement, and he asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw in the fire? And they replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Look. that they serve the one true living God. When we stand for the things, when we stand up for the things of God and attempt to handle situation biblical ways, the world is going to try to scare us with consequences. But when we choose to go through the fire of the circumstance with our hands raised to our God, the only thing we lose is the constraints that the world is trying to impose on us. Hey, look, you got to glean what you can glean when it's time to glean. Not only 
that, but the ones with the threats and the fears, the tattletailers that were trying to get him in trouble, they sat there in awe. As not only did they get delivered from a fiery furnace, not only did the bounds, the only thing that burned up were the bounds that they put on them, but they walked out the fire and King Nebuchadnezzar promoted them. Yes, 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 that is how that works. It's how it works. Sometimes we don't stick around long enough in the battle to see it play all the way through, though. You know what I'm saying? We hop out of the battle and it starts going, oh, 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 oh. Never mind. wants to do in our circumstances because we're not letting it play all the way through. Woo! We don't have to bow down to the things of this world to be promoted over the things of this world. This world may not love our God, but they love the result that our God brings. And they want people close to them who know how to get in touch with God. But they need to know we're real. There's too many There's too many sheepish, hypocritical, lip service Christians walking around. So when you say you're a Christian, you automatically almost get the opera. So many folks giving this thing a bad name that we gotta actually be proven. And from what I've read about the proven process, there's only one thing that proves things, and that's fire. So that tells me we're going to have to go through the fire sometimes in our lives around people. They're going to see it. It's going to be public. And they're going to see how we go through the fire. When they see me come out the other side, they say, that's something real. That's something that doesn't get burned up. That's something I want to know more about. Why don't you come on over here? Tell me a little bit more about this God who says like that. It's bad, so it's serious. There is, when you, if you're in the military, this is a military town, so a lot of us can relate to this, or families can relate to this. Like when we would get ready to go on any kind of a mission, there was always a prepar preparation phase. We'd get our gear, go through it, make sure we had all our stuff, pull our weapons out, make sure they're cleaned up, issue ammo, you know, make sure all of our records were up to date, things like that, and then we would go to war. So we, even though you know this is faith and this is God and this is all um, very spiritual stuff that's happening that isn't necessarily in our hands per se, we still don't go into battle naked. We, 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 we go into battle prepared. Saul in verse 8 of 1 Samuel something says, Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. So Saul heard about David going to try to slay the giant. And so he said, now let me talk to this. And he's like, oh, you're, you're just a kid. You need, you can't go to battle like that. Here, take my stuff. He put a coat of armor on him and his bronze helmet on his head. David fastened the sword, sword of the tunic and he tried walking around because he wasn't used to them. And he said, 
I cannot go to war in these because I have not used them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones out of the stream. He put them in his pouch of his shepherd's bag with his sling in his hand and he approached the Philistine. Look, God has given every one of us right here, right now, this very second, each of us right now is equipped with exactly the correct amount of tools that you need to face the giants that God has allowed into your life. You don't need nothing more. There is no reason to wait to stand and face your giants today. Some of you don't believe that. You don't need anything more than what you have or what you are to face the giants of your life. We don't need the souls of our life to weigh us down with the things that don't fit and that we have not proven. Now listen, we can listen and respect the opinions of others as they speak into our situation and offer us the tools of the battle that they have used before. But at the end of the day, we've got to go forth in the battle with what we have and with what we are. This isn't to say that we don't advance in our ability to use our tools. Because David may have started his life of a warrior with a sling and a stone. But by the end of David's life, he was a mighty, mighty warrior. His sword had slain the many, many enemies, enemies of Israel. His shield had deflected the many, many attempts at his life. By the end of it, he was a warrior. So we have to continue to develop in the art of warfare. And we need to continue to learn how to use tools in the fight. But don't get it twisted. Just because you don't know how to use a sword today, take the sling and the stone out your pocket, stand up and look at the enemy straight in the face and say, I come to you with the sling in the name of the Lord Jesus because it's all I got. We also need to remember that sometimes in the midst of a battle, in the midst of the pressure, that our power comes. Our power comes in experiencing and remembering the power of God. Our power in the battle comes from the experiences that we've had and the power of God that has been in our life before. So what that means is we need to keep some things. Okay, we need to keep some momentum. We need to keep some things to remind us of some of the battles that we have faced and won. Saul said, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. And he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant's been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried out the sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. 
And when it turned on me, I seized it by the hair and I struck it and I killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul was probably like, and he, the Bible says, this is what he said, go, the Lord be with you. What are you going to say against that? Order me a five by six casket, please. We're going to leave it on the battlefield. When David saw this man, he considered him no more than the predators that attempted to steal from his flock. If God can do it in the pasture, he can do it in the battlefield. God's not scared. God's not scared. There is no situation, no enemy, no circumstance, no situation that when we present it to God, God's like, ooh, that's a bad one. God is like, here we go, this is how we do that. We have to remind ourselves that no matter what our giant looks like to us, it's just another opportunity for God to show us that he is in control. So David kills Goliath, right? It said, David took the Philistine's head to Jerusalem and he put the Philistine's weapons in his tent. I'm sure there's times, even though David is a pretty cool guy, love reading stories about David, it's very encouraging, very motivating, but I'm sure there's still times he got afraid, scared, confused, doubted himself. If you read some of the things and places that David went and the things he had to go through, there's some pretty tough stuff. You know, and his mentality and the way he ended up getting through it and the way he went through it was very powerful in it. But it, it, those powerful things, you pay the price for going through powerful things. And it, it's a hard place internally to work through. And David did it. And I'm, I'm sure sometimes when he was low or down, he would go back to his tent when he was facing extremely challenging circumstances. And he would just look at the sword of Goliath and remind himself of what God did that day. In the life of that man who stood up against him and the God of Israel. I believe we need to do that. I believe that we need to make sure we have a full understanding of the battles that we've been in. And we, we understand how to give praise to God through that. And I believe we need to have physical reminders around us. Now, you may not be like me. My wife will walk around the house and say, why is this here? Why is this here? Why is this here? Why is this here? I'm a, I'm a see it, do it kind of guy. Like, if I put everything away, there's nothing to be done. You know? But I put the light, I bought some light bulbs and I put them on the back of the four-wheeler in the garage. They don't go on the back of the four-wheeler in the garage. But I didn't have time to put the light bulbs in the garage doors. So I knew the next time I walked by, and if I had time, I would jump up there, take the light bulbs out of the box, put, put them in there, and then I would take the rest of the light bulbs and put them back where they go. I'm a see it, do it kind of guy. I gotta see things need to be done. My desk, I like to have a clear desk because a clear desk to me means there's nothing to do. <laughs> I say I like a clear desk 
My, my desk has all kinds of stuff on it. Unfortunately. I actually made a second desk on the back side of my room that I don't have to look at all the time. <laughs> With the rest of the stuff that needs to be done. But in front of me, if you could prepare that, pull that slide up, you got it. In front of me on my desk, I keep some things. First thing I want to show you that I keep is this. Okay? And I'm sure you would be like my wife if you came in my office and you would say, what is this doing in here? But Sister Alexandra, Lexi, knows why this is in there. Because my first year working for TNT Fireworks, I almost had a nervous breakdown. It was incredibly difficult to maintain any type of sanity. And I remember Lexi came in my office because she was helping out. And she goes, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. And I started nodding my head to it, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Lord, I know you can help me. And I, I started getting on a better foot. And, I, and so I kept it. So like every season when it starts getting tough, I, 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 I take it out. And I say, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. <laughs> it's a reminder that I was in the midst of a battle. But I found a way to make it through. Next one. So that little thing, you probably can't see it there any better than you can see it here. This is a little piece of copper. Okay, this is a copper pipe from uh, the house that I lived in previously, and it was our water pipe. Okay, and you definitely can't see this. There's this little bitty tiny hole in here. Little, little it's, it's, it's like the needle size hole in this pipe. And this crazy little piece of pipe caused me so much grief. This was a leak under my slab of my house. And I, had, I didn't have no money, like none. Like, and then I'm waters, my water bills, I'm like, what's going on? They're like, oh, I have thousands and thousands of dollars to fix this thing. And, and at the same time, my air conditioner had gone out. I had an air conditioning unit in my bedroom for me and the wife, and I had one in the playroom for the kids. And the kids, I think, at the time were sleeping in the playroom because this is how life was. And then this happened. And man, and, and I was determined that we weren't going to borrow any more money. It was like a thing. We said we would not borrow any more money to fix any more of our problems. If we can't fix it with blood, sweat, tears, and cash, it ain't getting fixed. Air conditioner's 5,000, window unit's 100. Mow two lawns, and I got me air in my bedroom. You know what I'm saying? I ended up losing my homeowner's insurance for a year. Had to end up paying the state homeowner's insurance, which is like triple, quadruple what you pay for regular homeowner's insurance because of this whole situation. This was a battle. And when that plumber cut this piece out, and he showed me what a little tiny hole Cause such big, big problems in my life. I said, I'm keeping that job. This little piece of pipe right here is going to remind me that small things can become big things real quick. And they got to be handled right. This is the sign of a battle that I fought, and I won it. I won it. No air conditioner didn't feed me. No water in my house for a couple of weeks didn't feed me. I just, we got five gallon buckets. 
and me and my wife, we just go up and down the block begging my neighbors to let me fill up five gallon buckets so I can take showers and wash our laundry or the dishes. Won that battle, baby. I'm gonna keep it. I'm guaranteed you're gonna sit right there in my desk because that was a battle. This is a. This is a thing. Yeah, yeah. This is my. Um, this is a coffee cup. A coffee cup I had made when I was running Green Thumb, maybe the first time or second time. I don't know, because I, I built it to sold it twice. And I keep this to remind me that I faced a giant. And. Sometimes the battle is not a quick battle. David's battle was a quick one, right? right. He walked up, slung, slung the stone, dude fell down, he cut off his head. Woo, great day. That's not how this went. <laughs> this is, uh, you see, three renditions of uh, business cards that I went through. This is only three of them that I, that I kept over the time. Just to show me that sometimes our battle is more like a war. And it's a series of battles that we fight we lose, we win, we learn, we grow, and eventually all things end up working out. But we don't quit. And when it's time to stand up and fight, we fight. Whatever that looks like, whatever that means, whatever, wherever the point of pressure is in our life that is requiring us to move past comfort and get into a place where we gotta stand up and grit our teeth, that's what we do. That's what we do. I keep, I keep a picture of this. It's my family with, with Dave Ramsey. We went and saw him. We were in the middle of a fight, and we're getting kind of discouraged about being debt-free and trying to do everything on cash. And we went and saw him, and he slapped my back and said, you, you can do it, no big deal. And so we, uh, I keep that up there because we did it. We ended up getting all $275,000 And we won. You know, and these are very public things that I've shared. Probably, probably heard them before, so it's easy to share. Some of you are like, ah, we've heard this story before. But, you know, there's a lot of personal places that I visit in my life. Some very personal battles that I've stood up to. I've fought and I've won. And not of my own strength. But I've seen the battle, I've looked at God, He gave me the nod and we went forth and we just got, we made it happen. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's how we got to tackle this thing. We cannot have victory without the battles. I was just talking to Samuel, my oldest son, I'm so proud of him. He's uh, at the um, fire, uh, fire academy up in Forsyth doing the fire, fire training and it's so cool. He's just doing such cool stuff. It's hard. He comes home on the weekends and he's tired and he's yeah. exhausted and, you know, it's hard. But we were just talking last night as we were sitting there and a quote came up and it's, it, the quote goes like this. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. And weak men create hard times. And this is, this is word for word played out in my generational life. My grandfather was a hardworking, spiritual man who led his family strongly. And he created comfort. My father fell out. He did not accomplish the mission. It made very hard times for me growing up as a young man, not having a dad. And then my stepfather tried to step in and do the same thing. He could not. He did not have the tools 
to provide for an excess, a successful upbringing of a good man. And so I became a very bad man for a long time. Well, maybe not a long time, but for long enough until I ran into God. And he became my heavenly father. And we were talking about that because Samuel rose up and he said, that makes me angry, Dad. He's like, I'm not angry at you. I'm angry at that statement because you've created good times for us. And I do not want to be a weak man. And I said, son, if that is going to be the case, then you are going to have to identify the giants in your life. And you are going to have to take the initiative to stand up to them. Because when we live a good life, it's easy to walk around on the edge of comfort. And no one the cries and the knock of the giants at our door. We can slip and slide out of having to fight. And then when we get to the end, we look back. And we have no strength to actually face an enemy that stands in our path. I want to be a good man. I want to be a strong man. And I want to create good, strong men. And I believe I'm in a place surrounded by men and women who want to do the same for yourselves and for your families. We need to face our giants today. It doesn't matter how equipped, how ill-equipped we may feel. It doesn't matter how little support we may have around us or if we get that special word from God. When we make a habit of standing up to the things in life that confront us, we leave a trail of Goliaths in our path. We stand against the giants in the name of the Lord. And all that we are, live or die, succeed or fail, win or lose, we stand and fight and we watch God give the victory. Can we stand? This is the part of the service where we have the opportunity to take advantage of the spiritual moment that we're in. Whether we do it or not is all on us. We're going to sing some music and we're going to try to provide some sort of atmosphere where we can make whatever decisions that we need to make. But the bottom line is we all have our own giants that we face here and now today. And it is up to us to decide whether or not we are going to reach down to the deepest parts of who we are and be who God is calling us to be and do the things that God is calling us to do. Or we're going to tuck our tail and go home and just be the same person with our fingers in our ear trying to ignore the sound of the giants knocking on our door. 1 Samuel 17 and 45 says, You come against me with the sword and the spear and a javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you in my hands, and I'll strike you down, and I'll cut off your head. This very day will I give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. The whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those who gathered here will sword and it's not by spear that the Lord says for the battle is the Lord's are we willing to stand up and fight today are you willing to fight for your families are you willing to fight for your homes are you willing to fight for your place in the workplace are you willing to fight for yourself are there things and thoughts that are that you're battling with that you didn't know you just need to stand up against and fight God is not expecting you to do it alone he just wants you to stand up and raise your hand and say, here I am, God. I'm ready to fight whatever it means, whatever it looks like, win or lose, die or live. Even if you don't, God, I'm going to go out 
different. Let's pray. My Lord, my God, you're doing awesome and wonderful things in this place. I believe that you spoke to our hearts. You've encouraged us, God. I believe that you reached down and you stirred some things up, that you've, you brought some things to our attention in our heart and mind that need to be addressed. And they don't need to be addressed quietly, Lord, but they need to be addressed in the form of battle. God, whatever it takes, I pray, God, that you would help us to find whatever fight that we have left inside of us to be able to stand up against the things that are trying to tear us down, the things that are taunting us from the sidelines, the things that we can't get out of our life. And when we wake up in the morning, it's the first thing we think about when we lay down at night. We can't get it out of our head. God, we know that you're able. Lord, we know that you're strong. We know that you're wonderful, God. We pray and ask God that you'd move in these situations, that you'd move in our hearts and minds, God, that you do the things that need to be done. I'm a willing vessel. What it is that you want me to do? What actions do I need to take? What things do I need to say? Oh, God, I need you, Jesus. Oh, let's reach out. Oh, let's reach out and let God do what he wants to do in this place to prepare us for the battle at hand.
battles can be won with a quick shout, a declaration, and a prayer. But sometimes we get into a battle, and it requires us to go to the deep places of ourselves and expose ourselves to the King of Kings and allow Him to flow in and out of our lives and our spirit and do things that we can never understand or even imagine. Sometimes we just let God wash over us and wash through us and help us in ways that we can never explain. We gotta let God be the God that He wants to be and needs to be for our life and not be in a hurry and not be in a rush to move past what God is trying to do in our lives. You're such a wonderful God. You're such a mighty God. We trust in you, Lord. We trust in you, God. We fully submit to all that you are and all that you want from me. Whatever that means and whatever that looks like, I submit, God. I submit. I lay my life at your feet. Whatever it is, God, you want me to do. Here I am, God. Send me. Use me. Cleanse me. Help me. I'm all yours, God. I'm all yours. I'm all yours. Every step of the journey, every moment of the battle, Lord, I put it in your hands. I put it in your hands. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. What a word from the Lord we heard this morning. Just give him a hand. Do you have that video ready? Go ahead and play it. A video of Pastor. Praise the Lord, lifers. I hope you're having an amazing, wonderful, awesome morning so far. We have some great things lined up with life and times, bills, exciting stuff. I know God is going to move in a powerful way. I am uh, here. It's early in the morning. It's about 6.30. Gotten up praying. I am preaching in Columbus, Georgia today at uh, River City Pentecostals. And church back here behind me. And I want you to pray with me today. And, uh, and that God has moved. move. I don't really preach in other churches much. I'm uh, called pastor right there, 1301 Pipkin Road, have been for 20 years, I love it. But uh, occasionally God will, will nudge and press a little bit for me to go minister somewhere. And uh, the pastor here, Brother Batten, called me, and I know he's a spiritual man, wouldn't have even called if he didn't feel something. And, and I connected with that. And so here I am today, and uh, y'all pray for me that God has a breakthrough here, that God does uh, whatever it is that he sent me here for. And at the same time, y'all pray that y'all have an amazing, powerful church service. Uh, Brother Fowler's going to be leading. Brother Duvall's going to be preaching in our 930 service. 
Brother Mick Gordon is going to be preaching, and, and Sister Crutchfield, Sister Fowler, the praise team, they're going to be ministering in song. Uh, come out, you want the breakthrough that God is going to do this morning, and so you just lift your hands wherever you are. Pray with me right now. Father, we thank you, Jesus, for all that you're doing, God. And while we're here right now, two different locations, I pray that the anointing saturates the sanctuary so thick, uh, so powerful, Lord, that you speak to every individual that comes into our church and to this church, God, that breakthroughs are, are set up, oh, Lord Jesus. And God, that deliverance is coming, and Lord, that we know that you're going to do something mighty, something very powerful on this beautiful, wonderful Sunday morning. We pray for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Love y'all. See you soon. Amen. Amen. We love pastor. That's all right. Sometimes... Sometimes it's good to get out and go preach, amen, operate in the office of, of an evangelist. So we're going to be in prayer for him. Man, just quick announcements again. Don't forget, back-to-school prayer. Brother Duvall mentioned it this morning, but back-to-school prayer will be at Button Gwinnett Elementary School here in Hinesville at 6 p.m. So if you weren't a part of it last year, it was really neat. We were able to go out. Churches all over Hinesville do that. They go to all the schools and pray, pray over our schools. Amen. They need all the prayer they can get. Um, praise and worship this Tuesday night at 6.30. No word, just, just praise and worship. Amen. Come out and support that. Um, and then after church today, uh, they're having food in the back. So go back, have some fellowship, get something to go. Amen. We love you. We want our ushers to come. Amen. Okay. Absolutely. As they're coming, we're just going to pray over the offering. We're going to ask them to, we're going to bless the food, pray over the food, um, and ask God to go with us. God of heaven, we love you today. We thank you, God, for your goodness. We thank you, God, for your mercy. Thank you for your word, for your presence, God, that we felt today. God, we pray for each and every family. God, each and every household, God, that was represented. God, we pray, God, that you would bless the food. God, use it for the nourishment of our bodies. God, we're thankful. Bless the hands that prepared it. Lord, we thank you today, God. We pray that you would use this offering for your glory, for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed, saints.